When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows on our website, castaway.media. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Pod Aruni. This week we are talking to Dermot Whelan. Dermot Whelan is probably best known at the moment for his show, the Dermot and Dave show on Today FM. But he has many strings to his bow. Many strings to his bow, believe it or not. That doesn't even make sense because you should have strings on your violin, not on your bow. Unless it's a bow and arrow. And even then it should be just one string unless there's a bow uh, that has many strings and you have the arrows all lined up ready to go. But you couldn't do that, could you? Because you have to hold them in place. So he has many strings to his bow and that is a saying that doesn't make sense. But here are the strings. He is the guy on the radio, he's a stand-up comedian, he has presented the Republic of Telly, and he is a fantastic improviser, and he performs with the comedy improv, the Dublin Comedy Improv. We have a show on every Monday night in the International Bar. He's not on every Monday night, we all take turns on that show, and we will be performing improv together at the Vodafone Comedy Carnival in Galway. So uh, I'll be talking to him, and if you listen to the podcast last Week, you will know that I was about to go to the doctor because I had a sore bump on my front of my body. And um, I, I put that out because I was just about to go and I was a bit uncomfortable. Now, I'm OK. And strange to say, my sister contacted me and my friend contacted me from listening to my podcast. That is how I communicate with my family and my friends now. I tell them I'm sick on a podcast and they listen to it and 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 text me. So, I was went to the doctor. Doctor looked a little worried when he saw my uh bump and uh, the fact that it was sore. He poked it, of course. It was sore and he made it worse by poking it, which is what happened a lot th- this day. Uh he looked a bit anxious and said I should go straight into hospital. He gave me a piece of paper that told me, they gave me a free pass right into accident and emergency in Drogheda. I was very worried at this stage. Got the taxi in, um, interception showed them a piece of paper. They told me to wait. Then I was called. I went into a room. There was a guy who did a little bit of more poking, more poking, basically. Um, Then uh, made to wait, uh, told to wait again. Then brought in, stuck in a, put on a trolley. I say stuck on a trolley, put uh, on a trolley. And uh, a needle stuck in my arm. They took some of my blood, obviously some, not all of my blood. 
clod, did some tests. Different people came in and poked my bum from all over the world. There was a guy from Africa at first, then there was an Indian guy. I think they were just being fl- flown in there and uh, uh, from all over um, the Middle East uh, and Asia to come in and poke my bump, uh, write something down and leave again. Eventually, I was told, anyway, that it wasn't, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't dying. I didn't, I don't even want to say the word, the big C, yeah. Um, it was something called a sebaceous cyst. Now, this is a bump that I've had all my life. I had this little bump all my life. And I, when I went for a checkup, anytime I'd go, the doctor in question would have a, say, what's that? And, and I'd say, I don't know. It's been there all my life. And he'd poke it and go, is that sore? And i go, no. And, uh, and, and he'd pass over it. What it is, it's a sebaceous cyst, apparently. A sebaceous cyst is like a hair follicle or a, a, a follicle or a sweat gland that gets infected. And uh, this got infected and that's it and basically put on uh antibiotics and uh in a month's time they are going to they told me i can have it whipped out uh that's that's not exactly how they said it but they said yeah i can have it removed so there you go so that was it and then and then uh, i went off to uh, do a gig in uh, brussels and um with a fellow comedian, Ger Staunton. And then the next day we went to Bruges and went to a Circle Bruges match, um, football match. And they were brilliant. Uh, they dominated the game They and scored a scrappy goal uh, on almost the 90th minute. A bit like watching the Irish uh, team play. No, actually it wasn't because Circle Bruges dominated the game. Yep. And then scored a scrappy goal. Whereas Ireland... Um, uh, don't like to have the ball for 90 minutes and then try and score on the break. But it was a fantastic night and then uh, we had a lot of this Belgian beer, which is lovely beer. Uh, went home, went to bed, uh, got up in the morning, went to go to the bathroom, slipped on the tile, went back, broke my fall, whipped my elbows and got some kind of a whiplash. So now I'm sore on the other side of my body and uh, the front is fine and now it's the back. So uh, I'll be just very happy, very happy when I can uh, move around freely without any pain on either side of my body. But you don't want to hear about this, do you? So whatever you're listening, if you're on the bus, on the train, going for a jog, making your dinner, in the gym, whatever you're doing, please enjoy... Dermot Whelan. Let's get straight into it, Dermot, because, uh, because, just because. Why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I know I work with you doing improv. But I actually don't know uh, exactly, you know, how you started off in the whole in the whole comedy business. And where where did you grow up? Where did you, where did you, where did you, where did you? Limerick City, kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. from Limerick. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm not. I wasn't quite in the hood, you know. I had I had a real mm. ghetto upbringing uh, beside the golf club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I used to spend a lot of my youth looking for golf balls uh, mm-hmm. in gardens. And in fact, that's one of my recurring dreams. Is it? That I'm back in uh, what was known as Chrissy Carroll's house in her garden uh, looking for golf balls. And I find one and then I go, oh, my God, that's a good one. Oh, my God, oh, there's loads of golf balls. And there's tons of them. And then I go, oh, great. This is another golf ball dream. And then I wake up. Ah, OK. Yeah, yeah. So you I realize look, it's a dream. I'm quite did, sure what it signifies. When you did look for golf balls, was there a reason? Did you give them back and get money for them? Or? Yeah, you could sell mm. them. 
to the golf, sell them back to the golf club mm. uh, for money. And he w- really wanted to find a Slazenger. At the time, they were uh, or a Dunlop DDH. <laughs> they were they were the money ones. Yeah. Mm. If you got them, you were smoking cigars. Mm. Yeah, so they were good. Uh, you probably would get 50p or a, a pound even for a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And then would you spend that on food then to survive uh, in Limerick? Uh, yeah. Would have gone to Toomey's <laughs> shop and bought snooker ball bubble gums, which were the size of snooker balls. This was before any health and safety in terms of sweets. <laughs> like you'd have lockjaw. These things were massive. Mm. And it needed a good 20 minutes and a hot mouth to break down the outer crust before mm. you could actually start to do something with your jaw. <laughs> you so spent you, 20 minutes so looking like a child gimp. gimp the, yeah. Right, yeah. And was there go- uh, bubblegum in the middle? Yeah, the whole thing was bubblegum. Yeah, oh, but the whole it, thing was? Yeah, but it just was mm. exceptionally hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I would spend my money on. Brilliant. Mm. And your teeth look fine. Uh, yeah. There, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I just bought them on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I used to rob money out of the troker box to go and buy sweets. Wow. That was bad. That was, I, I was too good to do that. Yeah. I had a way too much guilt uh, to rob from the troker box. I think I was going through a bad period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the first my, 20 years. My tens. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Difficult tens. Um, and, and, and brothers and sisters, have you any of them? Three brothers and two sisters. Yeah. And the youngest of six. Yeah. Oh, are you? Yeah. So and, uh, my and elders, my eldest brother left for Australia when I was eight. Oh, so really? I just remember him as a tall man. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're so literally getting to know each other now. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my my eldest sister. Well, I don't remember her at home at all. She's I was uh, I think there's an 18 year difference. <gasps> yeah, it's so, funny because when people yeah. people who have small families that were close together don't get it. And mm. you can you can be like I was the youngest of six. I was essentially an only child because everyone else, you know, I was the accident at the end. So it was a bit of an mm. age gap. Mm. So oh, what's the next yeah. one up to you? Ne- uh, he's five years older than five me. Five years. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's weird. You, 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 you they and my older brothers. So you probably get this. They're like, oh, do you remember that summer we were all on the boat and we all went off to the Aran Islands? You're like, no, I don't remember anything you people did. Because I either A, wasn't there, I was so small, I was drooling on myself. I can't, I wasn't part of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with my family as well, there was a move. When I was about four, we moved from Galway to Meath. So there's loads of stuff about Galway yeah. they talk about, and I've no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. In tune, yeah. And they never mm. remember that you weren't there. You'll tell them. I mm. was. I don't remember any of it. And then next time there's a gathering, it'll be, oh, do you remember, Joe? Do you remember? You're like, how many times do I have to tell you people? Yeah. Like, Who are you? <laughs> yeah. and are any of them involved in in show business at all or no no, no none of them uh, they are engineers uh, one of them is a scientist in in Italy he works in toxicology for the European Commission wow yeah uh, it's pretty uh, basically I, I just anytime someone asks me what exactly he does I say lasers because I'm not <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Just something to do with lasers. Sounds cool. And in Italy. Why in Italy? Because in, across Europe, they have these joint research centers. Mm. Uh, and basically, they're little hubs of, of scientific things. So, he, yeah, he's into measuring really small things. And as a result, toxicology. <laughs> oh, I, I can't go any deeper than that. I'm not cleared. I don't have level clearance mm, uh, to mm. tell you uh, what he does. Um, yeah, but basically, measuring actually, really small things. I do know. Yeah, mm. he <laughs> he 
all his work is aimed at getting rid of animal testing. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. So it's other ways of testing things. Testing and making sure they're safe. Things. Yeah. Insects. <laughs> <laughs> he gets, he sits maggots and, and blue bottles down and gives them uh, short questions in maths. <laughs> well, if you're doing tests on, on midges or mosquitoes, I'm all for it because they're fuckers. I hate them. Yeah. yeah, there really is no point to a mosquito, is there? No. So I know he's a food source for other animals, but they're just so evil. Y- yeah. And they're here now. We, ha- we have mosquitoes oh, in Ireland. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're officially here. In fact, there's a, there's a, a, a type, a brand, what do you call them? A yeah. species of Unique mosquitoes. to Ireland? Unique to Malahide in County Dublin. <laughs> right. They're called a Malahide mosquito. Mm, brilliant. This, this is true. No. It is. There's a, there is a, a malahide mosquito. And well, why would they? Uh, they have to come from somewhere. They can't just, uh, you know, they can't just exist suddenly in malahide and be different. There was a story that came over. Mm. They came here. Uh, it was, I, uh, I can't remember. Ask your brother. Just, they just moved to North County Dublin. You know, it was, you know, we all do it eventually. Yeah. Well, anyway, if there's any animal testing, do it on mosquitoes. Like, put lipstick on mosquitoes. That's what I say. In yeah. Perfume and, Fuck them. Squirt cleaning pro- fluids in their eyes. Yeah. Does it sting? Does it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we better change the recipe. Don't change the recipe. There's no mosquito rights people that would be helping you escape from your cage. Yes. That'll be interesting to mm. see. Although, look at Dune Bay Golf Course in County Clare. That the that was halted. Work was halted in Dune Bay. It nearly didn't happen. This is it's now owned by Donald Trump. But that entire place didn't happen for years because of a very particular kind of snail. A really small snail. All oh, right, and yeah. it was, it's a protected species that was unique to that area. To that yeah. golf course. Yeah. So it's amazing. That so there's a mos- the Malahide mosquito yeah. and there's a Doombag golf course snail. snail. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of stuff you know because you're constantly on the radio. You have to know facts. Is uh, that true? Wouldn't that be true? You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that was like Alan Partridge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, cornflakes. Uh, yeah, another fact. Same time tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then, we did you? Were you? You know, everyone's going to ask you this. You know, were you a funny guy at school? Everyone asks the comedian that, don't they? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Mm. Uh, mm. They do ask that, but I, mm. I don't think I. Yeah, I suppose I would have been known as funnier than. Average people, but I well, wasn't like. Well, not necessarily even funny. But were you into? Were, did you want to uh, be on stage? Did you want to be in plays? Did you? I you was know? in plays. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't play rugby. I was in plays. Yeah, you know, which uh, in Limerick didn't, didn't go down very well. Mm. You know, uh, the questions were asked. You know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I did. I did go into plays and things. But I think my sense of humour managed to bridge that gap between. The arty friends and the jock friends. I sat somewhere in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, what kind of plays were you in? Did you? Uh, Shakespeare. No way. Uh, As you like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, every time I think about it, uh, we put up loads of posters around the time. I, I was in transition year, oh. so we put up posters around the school, and it was As You Like It by Shakespeare, and. One person took it upon himself to go around and change the word it on every single poster. And there were hundreds of them. Every single poster changed the it to egg. 
So As You Like Egg became the name of the play. And <laughs> That's for, amazing. Forever. Since then, anytime someone says, oh, As You Like It, all I can think of is As You Like Egg. That's the actual name of the play. I think but you're wrong. It's incredible that yeah. he changed. I thought when you, I thought you were going to say he put a T in front of it and it was As You Like Tit or something. But no, he went just was, a completely different yeah, word. Yeah, it was like a Limerick Spike Milligan was in, in the school and As You Like Egg became the name of the play. Well, if that person is listening to this podcast, please contact Niggas. me. Excuse me? His name was Niggas. Oh, you know him? Yeah, we eventually being, found out who did it. I thought you were being slightly racist there. But <laughs> 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 For no reason. Well, yeah. A racist in a kind of an ancient Roman way. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, his, his name was Niggas. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like it was uh, a nickname, but nobody knows. And what's he at now, do you know? I have no idea. Because I just, you know, that's quite a creative thing to have done. It is, yeah. Or, it was quite surreal. It's slightly autistic as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I did that. I was in another play. God, I can't even remember what the play was. But I do remember my, my character was Captain Denny. I was only in two scenes. In As You Like It? No, this was another play. Uh, okay. great, uh, not Great Expectations. One of those kind of, oh, yes, I do. Uh, I believe you, blah, blah. One of those plays. Yeah. Well, I was Captain Denny and I had two lines. And uh, one of them was... Uh, some shrub, Miss Lydia. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> shrub seemed to be a, a word for a punch or something. All oh, right, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Indeed, Miss Lydia was my other. That name. was it. Yeah, that was it. Captain Denny, but I had a name. Yeah, you know, yeah it wasn't yeah, just yeah. Soldier Number Two. Or yeah, anything. yeah. And did you get a buzz then? The, the buzz from performing <laughs> those two lines. <laughs> did that change your life? It did. It 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 made mm. me want to tread the boards. Uh, but I, I didn't do anything then after school until I was 30 I started stand up when I was 31 really yeah so I actually didn't do I, I worked behind the scenes I was an assistant director for or an AD as it's known in independent film and TV for most of my 20s oh really yeah So, but did you go to college after I did your, I studied archaeology archaeology and French fuck <laughs> and then <laughs> did that's you? what my parents said <laughs> And I put it down to the CEO for him. Fuck. Because uh, I, I saw Indiana Jones. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> when I was 10 and said, I want to be him. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, but I, I, I did. I nearly did communications, uh, but I didn't get enough points. So mm -hmm. I did archaeology instead. Mm -hmm. uh, but I used to make radio plays and, and comedy sketches and things as a teenager. So I was always interested in that side of stuff. In school or in no, college? No, in my bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But OK, but while you were at school. While I was at school, yeah. You did little radio plays on your own? Yeah. Wow. Still have them. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. One I'd of them is called Murder in the Hotel. Yeah. And it was uh, me. My voice didn't break till I was 16. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I think I was probably 14. Uh, I remember my friend Marcus was downstairs watching Home and Away because he had no interest in doing these things with me. Mm. So he was downstairs. So in the recordings, you can hear Home and Away on in the background. And uh, I'm upstairs going... Hey, someone knocking on the door. Who is it? I'm coming already. <laughs> I watch a lot of American TV. Yeah. And then, hold on. And the sound of a door opening. Ah! I'm murdered. Yeah. And it's yeah. an unbelievably high pitched scream. Yeah. Yeah. You were a strange child. Yeah. Kind of. I was a bit, yeah. yeah I remember yeah. And I, I used to make home movies of news reports. I used to do the 6 1 news. Mm. And, uh, I remember like, my dad had used the lawnmower and a stone had shot out and went through the window of a shed we had in the back garden. Mm. So I would use that as like this. 
The shots rang out around the neighbourhood at three in the morning, one of them striking a neighbouring window. And I used to constantly make these kind of news reports. And one of them, I had a chalked out body mark on my front driveway. Mm. And, you know, blood stains on the tarmac. The body lay here for two days before it was found. Police were searching for it. Except I, I, you know, shot the thing and then went off to play with my friends. But my dad came home with his boss from America, from the company. And they got out of the car. And the first thing he sees is this chalked out body on the driveway with blood all over the place, which was ketchup or something. <laughs> he was like, all right, well, welcome to Limerick. Uh, this is how things roll here. Oh, uh, that's class. Yeah. And so you were videoing this your, yeah, yourself, so make, what, yeah. putting it on the tripod, putting it, somebody else helping you. I'd video it and then vo- oh, voice do voice over. So they were like little news packages. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, of crimes that never happened. And was this something like you thought I'm going to be a news reporter or, or, or were you taking the piss then or were you doing it serious, you know? No, I suppose my dream job at that point would have been to be a TV presenter mm-hmm. or a kid's TV presenter or something like that. I did go for an audition when I was about 22 in, uh, for MTV yeah. and, and then I went for one in RTE as well. The RTE one was, they were both hideous. I was really, really shy so I just made a tool of myself all the time. Mm. But the one in RTE I was sitting in reception waiting to be called and I had a bottle of water and I was drinking it but then uh, spilt some on the floor and there was a pool of water on the floor and just as I spilt it the girl came out the door and went uh, Dermot, Dermot Whelan and I slid my foot over the water to try and hide it mm. and then she looked down and it looked like I just yeah. pissed myself and it had come out the trous- end of my trousers so she was like alright this is going to end well and uh. it was awful Oh my God! And yeah. this is when you were what age? About twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just finished archaeology. <laughs> right. Yeah, I decided yeah. I didn't want to be an archaeologist. So you never did any archaeology. I did bits and pieces. I did a few digs and things, and they, they oh, were good. Yeah, yeah, I was in Sicily, and all I ever wanted was the Indiana Jones hat. Yeah. Sunshine, you know, a good tan. Yeah. And and I got all that. Looked great. Yeah. And in Sicily. In Sicily. Yeah. Wow. I dug on a, a Greco-Roman village from about. Uh, 300 BC Wow mm. Find anything? Find lots of cool stuff um, Like You know Jewellery Bone carved jewellery Little mm. uh, Goddesses You know Carved out of bone Hairpins That kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, Obviously loads of pottery But you can walk into a field A farmer's field over there And there's just Ancient pottery Strewn around the field It's everywhere As right. soon as a farmer's plough Goes in It just pulls all this stuff up Right Yeah Yeah, um, yeah. Which is essentially ancient litter. And we're like, oh my God, it's so amazing. Yeah. You know, but so it, it must be annoying if you're trying yeah. to build a house or... Uh, yeah. Do people, is it like here where everything has to stop if you found something? Or? Yeah, yeah, but oh, there was quite yeah. a lot of corruption at the time. The local... Mm. Like you'd call the local council and go, I think we found something here. And they go, okay, we'll take it from here. And they go in and you see the lads wearing like brand new Rolexes and, you know, shiny Ray-Bans and... All the artifacts weren't going to the museum. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and they didn't like us digging there. Actually, we, they stole our van and the local mafia, and we got a few threats. Yeah, that we should just take a hike because they didn't want our actual archaeologists coming in and taking away artifacts that they could actually make money out of. This is like Indiana Jones. I mean, it's exactly not just yeah, just boring archaeology. It's instead of mafia, Nazis, it was Sicilian mafia. Yeah, you ever? Uh, Do you ever have a giant ball rolling after you at any? <laughs> 
right. Uh, no, no, no uh, okay. just a couple of angry farmers. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't, you, you, you still, you enjoyed that, but you, it wasn't for you. Uh, no, there's a, quite mm. a lot of, you, to continue doing that, I would have probably had to do more academic stuff, mm. uh, which I had no interest in. I hate studying, just hate it. Mm. I hate books. I hate having to learn things out of books. I can't remember anything. Mm. I remember feelings, which is no good. You know, I can't remember facts. I remember feelings <laughs> like, like, you know, like, pain. oh, I remember. I'm really good at like smelling something going, oh, my God, that's like, God, that really reminds me of the year I left school. That, that's that's the way my yeah. memory works. Yeah. But yeah. someone goes, oh, you did four years of ancient history. Well, who was the emperor of Rome in in year one? Mm-hmm. No, unless you could imagine the emperor of Rome kicking you or yeah. causing you pain uh, yeah, for, uh, or yeah. the smell of him. <laughs> yeah. If he'd been wearing yeah. Packer Oban or something, I probably would have. I would remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm try. I've tried to uh, use. Uh, you know the memory palace. Yeah, have you heard of that concept? <laughs> the memory palace. Is this where you go when you're frightened? The memory palace <laughs> is where you um, you imagine your house. So you imagine your house and all the rooms. So the things you want to remember, you put them in in place uh, rooms in your house. Yes. So you walk into your front door and you put that Roman emperor sitting beside the emperor sitting beside the. Uh, TV or whatever and all this kind of stuff uh, I wouldn't put it there it's far too dressy <laughs> put it in the hall <laughs> exactly so that's how yeah, yeah. I've tried that well I've, I've thought yeah I've tried it so uh, <laughs> it doesn't work um, well, where do you put the whole memory palace it's just so too much thing. effort it's too how much do you effort. remember that yeah I know yeah, it's too much effort to remember to use the memory, pa- memory palace um, yeah so then the archaeology wasn't happening then uh, no, decided. Yeah, it wasn't for me. I still liked TV and stuff like that. So then I start. I, I started working as what's known as a trainee AD, a trainee assistant director, a runner essentially in outside of television. So I was doing it in independent film. Yeah, and uh, and some TV. I worked on that show Ballykiss Angel for years. Oh, did you? Yeah. Were you in uh, that? No, no, I wasn't. I was in uh, Killing Scully, but my, a lot of people. Mixed those two up for some reason. Yeah. Well, I suppose they were similar in that they were rural. Yeah. Rural comedy ish. Bagus Angels is a bit more. It's a bit more of a Sunday night drama. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, With a few characters thrown in. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I worked on on various different films. From the beginning, right from the beginning, Bagus Angels? No, No. I did a few different movies as kind of straight to video jobs. You know, one of them was called Sweetie Barrett, which had Brendan, young Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Killian Murphy, Liam Cunningham, Game oh. of Thrones and all that. Um, a really good cast now, but at yeah. the time, uh, it was actually directed by Paddy uh, Brannock, is it? Brannock, Brannock. Uh, uh, God. The, I know that name. You can, you can cut out this bit. But um, the, f- what's her bloody name? Female stand-up comedian, who I know. Oh, I know who Deirdre Kane. Deirdre Kane's husband. Husband, yeah. Not Paddy Brannock. No. He's an actor. Uh, no. Stephen Bradley. That's right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Paddy Brannock. Very similar name. Is an actor who was in something else that I worked on. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're a mate with Killian Murphy, aren't you? You're well, I, mate, I met so. Killian through film. I was I was a yeah. a third AD at the time, and because mm. there's different levels, so I had well, worked my way up. Oh, is it? Th- I know there's the people who stop traffic. Are they? I was one of those. Oh, were you? Yeah. yeah, 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 that, yeah that's a trainee yeah. AD. That's a trainee I stopped a lot of traffic. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's a trainee assistant director. 
Well, I worked on a movie. The first one I worked on was called I Went Down. Uh, it had Brendan Gleeson in it as well. Actually. I auditioned for that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was sort of the, uh, you know, late 90s, mid mid to late 90s. Yeah. And it had uh, Peter MacDonald, another great Irish actor. He's in Moon Boy. He's the father of Moon Boy. Yeah. yeah. And I worked on that, but I was locking off traffic. That's what it's called. You know, mm-hmm. go and lock off traffic. But I was in the bog of Allen down a little tiny road that, that couldn't have cars on it locking off traffic like a stoat or something would have been the only thing that I would have seen uh, yeah so um, that was the first movie I, I locked off on mm-hmm. but yeah then I met Killian later on on a, on a movie called at the time Smiling Suicide Club I remember what it was ended up being called oh, um, that. that was uh, on yeah that, that's where I met him and then he introduced me to my wife and now I'm obviously married to her did he? Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah, he introduced me to her. Uh, we went. We actually went to a, a rap party of another movie mm. he'd been in with with Colin Meaney, and I'm a huge Star Trek fan. So when I met Colin Meaney, mm. I said, uh, "Oh my god, I got had about you know a lot to drink," mm. and I asked him all the questions. What's Riker like? What's Picard like? You know, when you're in the Enterprise, <laughs> yeah. can you really get into the thing? I annoyed him so much with Star Trek questions. He went home from his own party. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, did you do that? Wow. Yeah. And that was the same night. Oh, actually, I just saw so. Colomini on Con Air. Have, have you ever seen Con Air? I yes, mean, I have, yeah. Unbelievable. So bad, it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, it was of its time. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And so, I was at that party you met your wife, was it? Sorry. That we we kind of got it on there that night. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And she was a mate of Killian's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, that, yeah, that's... Fair. Fair play. Because I met, I met, I met. Uh, <laughs> well done. It wasn't hard. She was quite attractive. She's a beautiful lady. Um, I uh, met Killian with you one night in the laughter lounge, and uh, he he said, "You know, I, I'm and Jesus. He's a big star. You know, I'm like Killian Murphy, and he's like Joe. Yeah, you're the reason I started acting because I, I did uh, myself and Paul did this thing called Flatheads. Now he's probably." It's probably not really the reason, but we think a thing well, no, called you, I, I, Killian's a very, you know, he's kind of straight up guy. He wouldn't, he wouldn't plumb us. He wouldn't say right. it if he didn't think it. Right. Uh, myself and Paul Tylek did a thing called Flatheads, and he yeah. he was a big fan of that. And it kind of apparently he said that's why I really wanted to start acting. Wow, which is bizarre because the acting we did on that was pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> but he probably looked at that and went, "I can definitely act. <laughs> I can do better than those." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a that's a. That must make you feel good. It made it? me feel amazing. You yeah. should get ten percent of his profits. I should. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Invoice him. Actually, yeah. Killian Murphy, Hollywood, America. You wouldn't be who you are if it wasn't for me, Killian. <laughs> <laughs> you should do a tell-all book. There's <laughs> not Most much to tell. I, I was acting page. on Flatheads, and I would imagine <laughs> Killian Murphy was watching it. That's the story. <laughs> anyway. So, um, and then I slept with the following people. <laughs> um, so you, you uh, did the AD stuff yeah. for how long? Until uh, I was 27. Mm. And then it kind of kept to the point where you go, OK, do I want to keep going in this? Is this what I want? And the, I had worked my way up to first AD, so first assistant director. Mm. So then I realized that it's not really a very creative role because you are assistant to the director, but you are from an organizational point of view. So he's the creative visionary and you're just making sure that 
you know the generator is parked in the right place and they're all there for six o'clock in the morning and the actors are there on time and all that so mm-hmm. it's not a very creative job so I jumped out and started working uh, for free in radio oh right yeah yeah and what was the first thing you and did? Uh, station was Anne Olivia I mm-hmm. think it's called Dublin City FM now mm-hmm. it was in Griffith College in a really drafty shed essentially and I went in and said I'd like to do some radio and they said okay great uh, well, the, we don't have an, a newsreader at the moment because at the time it was a woman who essentially ran the place and she would sit down in front of a microphone and open up the Irish Times yeah. <laughs> and go, well, um, it says Brussels to look for more money from nah. OK, very interesting. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> really? yeah. That's what she used to read bits out of the newspaper and then go, that was the news. Not even read the paper beforehand and make notes. Just actually. No, just literally stand there flipping the pages over. It mm. was some, it was a sight to behold. So I said, I can do better than that. So and I could put on a, a, I could do kind of a Jimmy Greeley newsreader voice. Oh, so yeah. then I used to just take the news off the 98 FM website and then read it, read it out. In, in what voice? What was it? Yeah, I suppose. Um, it's 10 o'clock, although it's at 10 o'clock, it's... Uh, <laughs> you were very good, were you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all pre-recorded. We, we fixed it in post. Um, yeah. At 10 o'clock, here are the headlines. In Brussels today, a man... <laughs> That's that was brilliant. That kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And brilliant. being a newsreader is all about really unnatural breaths if you ever know so if, next time you're listening to a radio news okay. they don't breathe like any other human does mm-hmm. they allow themselves to have this big long breath so um, the war in Syria rages on with little hope of a solution well you know, in right, other yeah. news around the world and of course the man hopes to be arrested by the end of the day <laughs> in France a man has overturned as he drove his yeah, truck yeah, around yeah. the thing but is that a fear of getting to the end of a very important news item and being out of breath? Um, two men working. <laughs> no, I think people no. just think it's what they do. It's what yeah. newsreaders do. One yeah. person did it and then people went, oh, right, mm. that must be mm. because then you can sound like that. There's a definitely a way of talking. And there was one guy I used to do RTA. I don't know who it was, but he always went right down at the end of each sentence. So he would go... Um, I'm standing outside the doll today. He would always go, today, you know. Well, that's kind of the the Sky News. Take that to a whole other level. For these people, fig rolls are a way of life. (laughs) Forced to walk miles to the shop, there's little hope of them getting a packet or even the odd biscuit. Tim Day, Sky News. (laughs) They kind of came into their own around the Gulf War. That was when Sky News went, right. Mm. Now we're talking a war. Remember oh, it was 24 I, hours a day. I Sky remember. News. Mm. You won't miss a beat. And all these kind of grainy f- bits of footage of Scud missiles Scuds, yeah. going up and then just sort of disappearing into the haze. Yeah, I, was in, I, I remember rushing home from gigs to watch the war. <laughs> the war's on. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and, and the reporters would take pleasure in be in nearly getting hit well they probably weren't but, no you know, yeah they the, were probably the in, coming in but, yeah and the Abu Dhabi or something in a flak jacket going yeah yeah. if you can hear the bombs behind me yeah 
No, no. I'm back can't. in the studio going, be careful, you, you know, um, just be careful there, Brian. Don't uh, put yourself in any danger. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Don't worry, I'm staying in a five star hotel. Everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, mm. and then there was an endless stream of experts, of so-called experts. It was the start mm. of the, you mm. know, military experts, you know, transport and logistics export experts, and they would mm. just come in and talk complete and utter shite. Mm. You know, thank you very much. We'll be back in an hour to hound you about something else irrelevant. I remember the uh, Sky because when Sky came in and Twenty Four Hour News came in, um, one of, one of they they would bring experts about to come in to talk about anything. So they had. It was a leader of the Labour Party, I think, had a heart attack. So they reported on that and then they had a guy in and they said, and tell us, what is a heart attack? <laughs> <laughs> they went through the whole you know, uh, uh, diagrams of the heart. And oh, all yeah. This kind of stuff. Bizarre. Just filling out. Yeah. Yeah. With a guy waving at them to keep going. Keep going another eight minutes to fill uh, so the heart is uh, located in the human chest keep going <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it has five letters um, yeah. and so when you're the news is the first thing you did then and um, yeah so then I ended up doing that for 98FM in, in Dublin and I hadn't I, I, I used to get slagged in school for knowing nothing about current affairs I tr- actively avoided it I didn't mm-hmm. see anything interesting at all now I had to know it all I remember turning to the sports guy on the first weekend I was left on my own mm. to actually do the bulletins on a shift and I remember asking the sports guy what's Rory Quinn minister for and he went uh, he's, there, he's in the opposition and I didn't even know what he meant I didn't know what opposition yeah. meant. Yeah. So I just, I just learned that there was a template. You would, there's a, a, a line that's kind of sensationless. You would go, traffic chaos is expected this weekend. Mm. Explain it. This is due to something happening at the RTS. Mm-hmm. And then you have a clip of somebody from AA Roadwatch saying, well, actually, we're advising people if they are leaving the house, you know, to certainly wait till after 6 p.m. And I was like, OK, that's how a story is written. So I just yeah. did that. So there's like a headline. Headline. Explain yeah. it a little bit, and then a talking and then and get a talking head at the end, end. and that's uh, uh, essentially worked out. That's how you do it. Yeah, you don't really have to know anything. Mm. <laughs> that's amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. And and, and so and then I got a job as a reporter. So I got out of the studio and I was out reporting in a suit and all that. And did you not have to know more? I hadn't the clue. I just all my life I seem to I just put myself into positions where I'm completely out of my depth. It's just something I constantly end up doing. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up down at the four courts on my first gig as a reporter, reporting on some really complicated case about uh, the European Investment Bank or something. Mm. And some guy was taking a case against Europe, and even the regular reporters were confused. They weren't quite didn't quite understand. And it was, it was a Supreme Court thing. So there was three judges, and it was oh, I just no. And I remember I had my notes on the roof of a car, and as I was getting myself ready for a live report at the twelve noon news, mm. and they went, we can cross live now to our Dublin reporter Dermot Whelan, who's at the four courts. Dermot, what's happened? Well, the court heard how Tom O'Brien. <sighs> And the wind blew my sheet of paper off the roof of the car. Yeah, yeah. And I saw it go out into traffic. And I went, and, and the, the, the man, and the, uh, of course, and, and back to you in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and amazingly, I managed to keep that job. And I did it, I did it for two years, uh, mm. reporting on That's things. Amazing. And again, that was just another template. I could see, 
I reported a lot from the courts, the district court and stuff like that. So crimes and things like that. So mm. obviously it was a court. Um, really <laughs> see, crimes. I picked up a thing or two along the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it would go, the court heard how 25-year-old Tom O'Brien robbed the bicycle from outside Kelleher's shop. The man had 10 previous convictions and was tracked down by police after a GPS That's signal amazing. on his phone. You, you've got it down, though. You've got it down. You can just yeah. slip into it. Just, just yeah. like 25-year-old Michael O'Brien was told by the court how he had outraged everybody and considered himself to be a delinquent. The court was adjourned till the 25th of August. Dermot Whelan, the four courts. <laughs> <laughs> when did it start? Did reporters always say their name at the end of reports? Did that, or did that just come in? I don't know. It's just a really odd thing when you think about it. Here's yeah. my name at the end. of Like, you know, imagine if you're doing your stand-up and at the end, go, thanks, good night. Well, you did. Maybe you'd. Somebody's go, I've been Durham Wheeling. Good luck. I've had yeah, a bad maybe. gig. You say, I've been Joe Rooney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody, yeah. Who was it who used to do that famously? Used to give some other Somebody comedian. Somebody used to do. The whole time. Um, <laughs> a bad gig. They'd say some other comedian they didn't like. Yeah. yeah. Sean Hughes or something. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh well, obviously. But uh, oh, funny you should say that about the the, the things being blown away. Um, I did a gig over in uh, Milwaukee Irish Fest this year, and the last comedian to do the festival was Hal Roach. Do you remember Hal Roach? Yeah, old old yeah. style comedian. Yeah. Did Jury's Cabaret. That's right. And he was he worked until he died. Yeah, and he was in his eighties doing Milwaukee Irish Fest, and uh, he couldn't remember the jokes, so he had them and pieces of paper on massive writing all along the front of the stage all right. and this is only in a marquee this is a marquee so somebody yeah. opened <laughs> the door or the flap or whatever and the wind just blew all his uh, <laughs> jokes away <laughs> and he, he died in his home he just, he, well, I don't know what he did like he, no jokes <laughs> so it is like happens to the best yeah. of them it's like a, mm. a, a lost old lady and her pearl necklace has just fallen to pieces. Oh, my pearls, my pearls. She's chasing them around the floor. It's got, it's got like, that kind of, yeah. Yeah, my jokes. It's over. And that was the last scene of Hal Roach as he ran across the horizon chasing bits of paper. <coughs> yeah. So uh, I did hear an interesting story. This is probably way off the point, but there was a particular poet who I can't remember her name now, but she was an American poet and she used to hear her poems literally in the wind. So she would she go... to hear them? Yeah, so she, she would... They would come to her in the wind. So she would go to the field mm. at the back of her farm or, or ranch and would stand at a particular spot and would then wait. And then she would start to listen out for the poetry and it would come in the wind and she would literally have to chase the breeze down through the fields mm. And write out the words bef- before they disappeared. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And what's she doing now? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's in cell 65 at the, the back of the hospital. Yeah. And you, uh, you would have to uh, do a different voice for newsreader and reporter, don't you? You're a bit more urgent outside. Yeah, it, there's yeah, yeah the the mm. in studio at six o'clock the headlines. It's a more kind of yes, I'm determined, uh, but mm. uh, you've got to trust me. I know trust what I'm me. talking trust about. Me. Yeah, um, where the reporters a little bit has the same 
confidence but just a little bit more shouty like you mm. don't have much time like you've got to hear this this is exciting uh, yeah there's other things going on I could be called away at any minute yeah so you know the court court heard how the house was burgled shortly after 12 what you have to go there's an element of that you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean, the day to day got that perfectly. You know, yeah, the day to day. Yeah, that was uh, great, great incredible. show. And did you then? Did you move from news? Uh, yeah, then I, I was at the time was making little comedy sketches for a nighttime talk show, a late night talk show. Right. I used to put my they were they were community updates, and the character was the guy called Martin Swan. <laughs> Yeah. And that's another community update. I'm Martin Swan on 98 of M. So that's, that was Martin Swan. He, and it was yeah. all just surreal stuff. There's a children's gathering on the Red Cow Roundabout at 2 a.m. raising money for the Plastic Children's Society of Montauk. Like it was just <laughs> yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And is this all stuff you just, uh, you weren't like getting paid or you're just saying, oh, I'll do that. Yeah, or, I just yeah. decided I'd, I'd try it because I used to yeah. find the equipment. I couldn't believe that there was all this equipment lying around that yeah. could record and add sound effects and all these things that nobody was using. Right, you right. know, they would just do their job and go away. And I was like, why isn't everyone just playing here all the time? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, you know, it was amazing fun, I thought, you know, I still feel that way towards radio. Mm-hmm. Like, it is essentially a playground. And it's an amazing media because medium because you can imagine what's happening. You can you can have a cast of thousands without having a cast, just with sounds of sound effects. Yeah, and know. I've always been fascinated by sound effects. I, I still, yeah. I, go, I for fun, I will go on to sound effects websites, yeah. and just flick through them, and just listen to them. You know, yeah. and if you can do, if you're doing a, like sometimes I have a character and he has like fake sports reports his, his mm. name is Chug Stenson it's Silly Sports and he, he does fake, fake sports news basically mm. but if you, if you do a voice and then you drop in street Atmos I, f- mm. I love Atmos mm. sound effects so you know airport back, you know, background noise mm. shopping centres mm. quiet streets you know I have about 10 different quiet street files sound files on my computer I love them and one of them has what has to be like an old Citroen driving by <laughs> And if you put any voice over that, it just sounds so real. It's brilliant. You know, that's amazing. It's probably sad. But no, no, I, I think that's amazing. I always find that amazing yeah. when you're shooting a film or, or a TV thing, when the sound man wants to take Atmos. And so everyone on the set has that's to keep cool. quiet. Yeah. And he holds the mic and then there are noises. Yeah. And you actually, you, you actively start to listen to it. Yeah. And you can hear a lawnmower in the distance. The and Dog barking. Yeah. But with, with radio and audio in general, like, your brain can't help but make the pictures. You can try and defy it and mm-hmm. go, I am not going to create the mental image of what I'm hearing. But you, your brain has to do it. So if you put on a voice and you put uh, a street mm-hmm. and, and some a jackhammer noise in the, in the background mm-hmm. and you listen to it, your brain will automatically create that image. It will, it will create the image of the street and the jackhammer. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. if there's a little shop bell, you'll see and the shop door Mm. opening and closing and you, it, your brain can't help but make these images mm. it's fantastic I just love that process you know with a yeah. couple of well placed sound effects the whole thing comes to life you know? yeah and I actually think that uh, Alan Partridge's Knowing Me Knowing You on radio is better than the one on TV yeah have you, you've heard it haven't yeah, you yeah yeah, yeah. Um, because you know he's interviewing the little um, prodigy yeah but on TV it's obvious it's it's a girl yeah, a grown an adult girl. Well, it just gives but you too radio, much you, too much information. You imagine the, yeah. the little kid. Yeah, little, mm, 
No, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's a, an interesting, I don't know if you ever listened to the comedy Bang Bang. Do you ever listen to that? I haven't, no. Um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a lot, some of it is improvised, but it, they do kind of essentially a fake uh, TV show mm-hmm. and they have interviews and all that. But it's the same thing. You can just drop in a couple of sound effects and these whole scenes happen, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so much cheaper to make than television, mm. you know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so th- that was your first comedy uh, character then, or comedy on radio was this. Yeah, this so I started doing that. And then the boss of the radio station heard the sketches I was doing. And yeah. then I was started writing comedy for The Breakfast Show that was mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I did a few characters for that. Um, mm-hmm. I had one character called Roy Korean because it was around the time of the World Cup in Korea and Japan. And oh, it was pretty racist stuff, I'd say. Um, <laughs> it was Roy Korean, you know. Your average Asian voice, but I don't know, at the time it seemed to be PC fine. But they actually, Budweiser flew me to the World Cup. Yeah. To report from the World Cup as Roy Korean. <laughs> How you doing? Really? That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's not racist, come on. Well, I personally, I don't think it's racist. Mm. I, don't, I don't know why it's acceptable to go, Hello, I'm a French man. I love baguettes and fan wan. And then you go, Hello! I'm from I'm from Tokyo yeah you racist hello I'm from Delhi yeah why is that racist and why is alright mate how's it going yeah why is that not racist exactly it's just an accent yeah I know if I say oh we all we eat dogs yeah we all eat dogs that's racist that's racist racist. yeah Yeah. but it's an accent on its own cannot be racist no it can't it's the content that's racist but people just jump down your throat. It's funny, like obviously we, we do, do the improv, improv and yeah. you do this uh, um, accent roller. So you go into different accents, yeah. in Indian or whatever. But we do it. But in the the British guys don't like doing the uh, no because it's the Indian accent, or they do it very watered down version. Yeah, mm. um, it's considered. Yeah, but that that racist. does annoy me. It annoys me on the radio. People will always text in. They're always waiting to be offended. Oh, know? do they? Yeah, yeah. And if you yeah. do. Because I, I do a, an improv segment on the show called mm-hmm. Say Stuff That Suits the Music where I say stuff that I think suits music I've never heard before. Mm. And some of it, if it's Indian, you go, Oh, no, my Lord, how are you doing today? Lord, look, great to see you. And mm. as soon as you do it, there'll be, Oh, you're racist. Mm. Texts coming in. And you're like, no, it's just an accent. Mm-hmm. Like, if I put on a Cork accent, sure, is that offensive? Well, yeah. like the accent itself is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. No, but, uh, yeah, that uh, kind of does annoy me. If you, the content is racist. An accent can't be racist. No, no, can't, no, it can't. And uh, yeah, so uh, like, and then um, you flew no, you're flown over for the flipping World Cup. So I went to That's the World unbelievable. Cup. It was, yeah, because yeah. Budweiser at the time were running a five-a-side tournament over there to coincide with it, and I had to report on this five-a-side tournament, and mm. I was put up in this amazing hotel in Seoul. And, uh, you know, chauffeur driven all around the place. I couldn't believe it. I just thought this radio is amazing. You put on one silly voice and I'm now on the other side of the planet mm. getting looked after like a king, you know, mm. just for going, hello, how you doing? <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And all the I used to meet all the other media people and they're like, oh, my God, I was up at six o'clock in the morning to go to here, there and everywhere and do a press conference. And after that, I was like, nah, I did one phone call this morning at 10 o'clock. And I'm off the hook. Great. Yeah. yeah, I used to do one. I used to do one, uh, one of those phone calls into as Fergus Scully into one of the radio shows. Oh yeah, it was FM one hundred and four or something. Mm. 
But it was, uh, yeah, it was bizarre because the odd time you wouldn't be at home. I'd be on a train <laughs> going to yeah. uh, uh, something else or coming back from a gig or something like that. And you'd have to go on the... Actually, I remember doing one on... Uh, back when, before there was mobile phones, I was doing it on... Uh, I was doing a, a character on um, RTE radio on the phone in the hall of where all the flats would be. You know, I lived in oh, a yeah. flat and... Uh, I was uh, this priest or something, Father Turnip or something, and uh, I was shouting down the phone. And the guy upstairs told me, he heard me shouting down the phone, and he was like really pissed off. He was hung over, and he slammed his uh, his flat door closed, and he turned on the radio, and I was on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to drown you he out. Couldn't, he couldn't get yeah. away from me. Yeah. He's in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, and so when did the toll trolls come along? That was huge. That was yeah. Well, yeah. after that, so I like I started. I took over the breakfast show. I was after yeah. the breakfast show then, and then yeah. a couple of years into that, uh, we I, we I started doing that for Patrick's Day, mm. just as leprechauns. I think mm. it was for a competition or some kind of promotion. So we just we had a machine that pitched a voice. So we we did that, mm. and then we decided to keep them. So we put them on every morning, and it was essentially improv comedy which we would then edit up into oh, a right. two minute bit. Um, so we did it every day. For, God, we must have done them for about five years. I think we did about a thousand sketches. Yeah. And they were hugely popular. And mm. we had albums. We had a double platinum album um, from the Toll Trolls and we had a, another platinum and a gold and all these. So we, we brought it. It was all for charity now. Yeah. Um, we, we all could have we could have bought houses off the money that that was earned for for the Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah, yeah, half a million quid or something. Really? Nuts, yeah. Wow. So uh, yeah, it, that that was great. So I know. I mean, there were squeaky voices. You, a lot of people you hear it and you go, "Oh God, I can't stand them." But the majority of people seemed to like them, you know. And we had the number one breakfast show while they were on, so uh, it definitely worked. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you're constantly voices. trying to stand out in that market. You need something. Yeah. And would that happen now? Like, I mean, would you sell CDs like that now? That wouldn't, or would people just find no. it and download it and it's free? Yeah. Or you wouldn't? Um, yeah. Charity CDs, hard copies of stuff. It, it's a funny, it's a weird time at the moment because yeah. technology has, is, is in this weird kind of limbo. Mm. So if you try and do a charity single, trying to get people to go and download it and it all seems so virtual and intangible mm. and... Um, you know, you got to put in, do I have to put in bank details or something, or you know, yeah. you can get it off iTunes. It's just not the same. At the time, it was very much about CDs. It was whatever two thousand and six or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were in at the till in HMB, and people just bought them. So they were number, were we number one? No, we got to number. We were number two in the charts. I think it was Gift Grub actually kept us off the number one spot. Was it? Yeah. Two comedy CDs, the top of the charts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, shows you people want a bloody laugh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's funny looking at yourself in the Irish charts and you're going like, you know, you, then George Michael, uh, Michael Jackson, Madonna, you know, you're like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Toll Trolls. Yeah, Toll Trolls. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, um, so the idea was the Toll Trolls were, they lived under the toll bridge yeah. uh, on the M50, which doesn't exist anymore now. Yeah. Like the road does, but the bridge doesn't. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, 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 that stupid bridge. Yeah. yeah. And uh, d- d- how long did you stay then on that breakfast show? Was uh, I did the breakfast show for eight years. Eight years. I still don't know how. I, yeah, I got up at half four in the morning for eight years. I'm sure there's taxi drivers who think, 
for less than nothing. We got up a two in the morning. Oh, for love it. Uh, but yeah, I, I eventually had to just get off breakfast because I was physically wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I was doing stand up at the same time. So I was working oh, at night so doing gigs and then getting up at, like, I would say the crack of dawn, but it was before the crack of dawn. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> the crack was just, nowhere in sight. So you couldn't even see the crack of dawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that must have wrecked you. I mean, uh, what time would you normally would you go to bed if you're if you're a morning DJ? Uh, you'd probably go to bed at nine. Like if if yeah. if anybody rang your phone after six p.m., you did that father thing of what? Who's that? Who in God's name is yeah. ringing me? Do they not? Oh, it's the middle of the night. No, yeah. it's not. It's twenty to seven. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and you, I rarely you, go out. Anything after nine was was up past my bedtime. And I'd have that feeling of, do you remember when you get into bed as a kid and the other kids would be playing on the road? Mm. And you, that's what it used to feel like. Mm. Except I was 35 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and and did you have kids then? Or did you have, uh, you I know. started having kids, yeah. I was, um, I was probably about th- two years into it and then I started having kids, yeah. So I had, all, I had small that kids while I was doing it as well. I don't know how the hell I did it. There's yeah. loads of photos of me holding my children half asleep, like slumped on the couch. Yeah. I went through a phase of watching Battlestar Galactica every day when I went home uh, on DVD. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What, to wind down or something? To bore yeah, to just wind down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just sort of watch Battlestar Galactica till I fell asleep. Mm. Um, naps, loads of naps. and You constantly felt like a jet lag. That's what it felt like all the time. Yeah. So if someone said, do you want to meet for lunch? Little party, you go, oh, Jesus. How am I going to stay awake through that? Really? Yeah. Um, and did you work on the show? Did you plan it in the afternoon? Is it? Or an, an yeah, you plan, plan it after your show. Yeah. Go for breakfast. Yeah. And we used to go to the bookies, breakfast and bookies, and then go back and you'd record the comedy and stuff for the following morning because mm-hmm. you wouldn't be, you know, you didn't want to be in there too mm-hmm. early the next day trying to be creative. You know, you just want to be upright, you know. And how are you like, uh, how are you, you have to be chirpy on a, on a breakfast show, right? Yeah, it doesn't really wash if you're like, <laughs> how do, how good are morning, you? everybody, you fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, I hate my life so much right now. My wife is a bitch and my kids are too small. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's radio. I think it's a gap Go in the yourselves. market there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I had Colin O'Regan was on last week and he was saying he did uh, he did uh, student radio. You oh, know, yeah. And uh, it was ridiculous. He was playing like, obscure Joy Division in the <laughs> breakfast show and have somebody come in and interview them about uh, Marxism and stuff <laughs> and now here's the track yeah but, uh, but yeah but you have to be chirpy but are you, are you like does it make you chirpy just having to be chirpy in other words uh, yeah, if you be, it'd be you like put, doing a gig it's like doing a gig yeah you're, you're running yeah. on adrenaline anyway you know and yeah. but it's yeah it's over a sustained period of time so your all the adrenal glands are like well, you're up and down, up and down. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you do have to be chirpy and because uh, I mean, people are waking up to you and they're using you as, you know, if I'm not, if if they're doing the celebrity gossip and I'm not past the convent in my car, I'm late. You know, that way people are using bits of your show as guides. Oh, yeah, uh, as they're you know. on their drive in to work. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, people turn on the radio a lot of the time in the morning just to be reassured that the world is still there, mm. you know. You want to hear a bit of the news and a bit of the gossip and okay, everything, everything's okay. Everything's where, where I left it yesterday mm. and now I have a couple of bits and pieces to talk about when I get into work or, yeah. you know, that's, you know, you can take it very seriously as, uh, when you work on radio, but that's all people want really is to mm. have a bit of a chuckle and 
and you have a couple of little nuggets to talk about. Yeah. It's amazing. I think radio, well, obviously the great thing about radio is you can do stuff while listening. So you can cook the dinner while listening to radio or the breakfast or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Compared yeah. to TV, it takes all your attention. But Yeah. And it's yeah. weird, you know, people will come up to us and go, oh my God, you know, I listened to you all through secondary school. Mm. And it makes you feel really old. <laughs> you know, like I started listening to you when I was 10 and now I'm in college. And you're like, oh my God. You know, mm. I, I, I'm just the same, but these people are growing up. You know, mm. it, it's it's strange. It's nice, you know, that you you can be like, like t- yeah. Today I got an email from a woman who says, uh, "Oh, my husband is a tiler, and he has you on at work every day while he's mm. doing his tiling, mm. and uh, he loves listening to you guys." And what you know, when I said, you know, why do you listen to to Dermot and Dave all the time? They, he he said, "Well, they're my friends." And she, she was like, you, you idiot. <laughs> They're not your friends. But that, you know, for me, that's the ultimate compliment because you're in people's yeah. workplace. You're it's not like television. Mm. You know, you're not waiting for a new series to come out on Netflix or mm. you're not waiting, a, you know, a, a few months for the next set of episodes or whatever. Mm. It's all the time. And it's you can be at home and you listen to it while you're walking around and you're taking it everywhere. So yeah. I'm not surprised that this guy thinks that we're his friend because yeah. we're in his ears literally every day yeah. so you know that's the power of radio it, it, it gets into people and you feel I'm sure there's been you know radio presenters over the years you you felt I was just going to say when, when when Off The Ball came on News Talk initially and yeah. it was a three hour show yeah. I was going this is amazing and I'd listen to it on the way to gigs all the time yeah three hours and when the lads who eventually did Second Captains left I was I was a bit upset. I was like, yeah. I wrote a big thing on Facebook just saying how upset I was and hope, hope because they wasn't sure what was going to happen then. Yeah. Hoping they would uh, come back, bring back up somewhere. Because, yeah, they were like mates. Yeah. Well that, but you don't realize really until until yeah. they go away. I when, after I spent, mm. Jesus, I was in 98FM for 14 years doing various different shows. Mm. And when we did leave, we, we got a, good bit of angry emails one woman came up to me in Sweden and punched me in the arm mm. said, why did you leave that why did you leave the show yeah. loved you loved to listen to it for years and you, you just walk out you know yeah. and you think well Jesus you know because you, you do you, you, if people are listening to you like that kid who listened to me all through school mm. you are you're part of their fabric of their morning or whatever it is you know so yeah. it's bizarre yeah it's bizarre, particularly with second captains and off the ball, because I used to uh, get the podcast version and put it on. And I was going to sleep, so I, I'd often wake up, I'd go to sleep, and then wake up at two in the morning and be listen and hear those lads talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a weird relationship I was having. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of half in your dreams. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joe, do you want more cider? <laughs> oh, thanks, lads. Thanks for making me part of your show. <laughs> Oh, it's weird. So, and did you start stand up during that period? Then, when did you? Yeah, I was probably yeah. about three years into the. Where was I? No, I, I don't think I'd actually started in the breakfast show. I don't know. It was around the same time I yeah. started the breakfast show, and I started. Des Bishop was coming in to do the late night, a talk show. Yeah. He used to do a bit on it, and he had heard my comedy sketches mm-hmm. when he came in. So he said, uh, "Hey, you want to try stand up?" 
Oh, really? <laughs> I'm not sure why he's a Jewish rabbi all of a sudden. <laughs> hey. Hey, all I wanted was one lousy hey. ant sandwich. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he gave me a, a few gigs in the international and uh, I started off from there. And were you doing like, impre- no, you were doing impressions from... I did, er- yeah. Yeah, on, I, I did yeah. impressions, yeah. yeah. I did... Uh, Brilliant. So Terry Wogan was always my first one. You know... Terry Wogan. Brilliant. And then, uh, and then young people, really, at the time, didn't really, really remember who he was, you know. It's brilliant. I was in awe of people who can do impressions. Like John Cleary as well. Amazing. Yeah, John Cleary's fabulous. And Alan Partridge. Uh, yes! <laughs> Jet! <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, Lynn, uh, uh, the f- some receipts are over there, and the rest of my receipts I threw... Off a ferry. That's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. And, but isn't it something that you're afraid to get uh, labelled as impressionist comedian? Uh, Is it I, something that? No, I don't. No? I don't. I was never afraid really of being labelled one thing or the other. Yeah. Really, <laughs> I was just glad that someone knew knew of me to give me a label. Uh, right, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I suppose I found it hard to to naturally work impressions into a set. Say yeah. like. Mario Rosenstock I, I was never that sort of this is what I do I'm an impressions guy mm. I've kind of all my life I've kind of done a dangerous amount of a little bit of everything so I always feel like I'm never really an expert at one thing um, but I suppose radio I suppose would be my oh, I have to be an expert yeah. I have to some level of expertise in that after doing it for whatever 15 years absolutely and so you went from the breakfast show to an afternoon show wasn't it yeah, we went on to drive, yeah, yeah which yeah. is a great time of the day to yeah. work on the radio. Because you've your whole half day off yeah. before you turn up, you know. And then as soon as seven o'clock came, we were gone out of the building. So mm. it just felt like uh, after years of doing breakfast, you feel like you have a life, you know. You can actually me- meet people for dinner and things. Mm. You know, you can watch something on telly that starts at 10. Like, well, look at me. I'm watching today, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you didn't yeah. know yourself yeah that. it was yeah, really yeah. bizarre yeah mm. then you drink loads because you can stay out you know it's really <laughs> pathetic you're just like I'm going to have 10 pints because I'm able to have 10 pints <laughs> I don't have to be up at 4 yeah yeah yeah. and I don't know do you do all the sliders and everything Is the, no. You, no I used to in the early days yeah but I was yeah. quickly taken off the buttons and put yeah. on the side that had no buttons mm. because I find it very hard to do that to fly the ship and try and, and be and, funny and, at the same time. So my job on our show has traditionally been to be to react to stuff that's going on. So uh, like it's, it's a lot of improvised. It's yeah, it's mm. all improvised. So, mm. you know, hence why you and I do improv together. It's mm. I think if you have that kind of brain, mm-hmm. you, you'll naturally put find yourself in roles where you're where you're improvising. Yeah, all the it's, time it's brilliant because a lot of people just can't do it you know it's a weird yeah. thing isn't it well it's funny because yeah. you know you do more stand up than I do mm-hmm. like stand up frightens me all the time I've never gotten used to it yeah and I, I, I definitely go through a lot more kind of oh my god I'm not worthy thoughts before I do a stand up gig mm. whereas improv I see it as going out to play mm-hmm. I'm never nervous before it and I just I love it I love the team aspect of it you know mm. Mm. Um, and that was, has always been one of my hindrances in stand-up comedy is that I find it really hard to do the same material mm. I, over and over again. I I, I can't. I, I end up writing new material and trying it out at events where I shouldn't be trying out new material. And people are going, what the hell are you doing? That stuff you do about the thing is really good. And I go, well, 
I don't know. I just I can't I can't keep doing the same script. You know, mm. I find it really hard to do that. I'm much more at home making stuff up on the spot and it being, you know, really interesting. And then the ne- it's completely wiped clean. The slate's gone. Mm. It's gone away, you know, and for that audience who saw it, they get it mm-hmm. and no one else does, you know. And that's what fascinates me. Yeah, you know, that's what I love about radio. It's the same thing. Every day yeah. it's gone, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't just turn up There's for no, work on the radio uh, show and start saying the same jokes again the next day. Yeah. It has to be new and fresh all the time. And I think if, if you're wired like that, then stand-up is quite hard to do that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I love doing the improv. And the one thing about the improv is you will actually enjoy it as much as the audience. You know what I mean? I always end up giggling away. Yeah. Or, or yeah, you do. Um, whatever someone else is doing or maybe something that's exactly. just come out of your mouth and without, yeah. without, any, without you thinking. Yeah, and mm. it can go anywhere. I mean, you can mm. step up onto stage doing improv thinking, mm. okay, I am a bartender in this scene. I'm just mm. about to start miming, you know, wiping my countertop. Yeah. And the other person goes, uh, you know, the rocket's ready for launching. And you think, oh, shit, I, I'm not a bartender now at all. I'm an astronaut. You know, yeah. I love that stuff. You know, you're, you're being thrown left, right and center all the time. You know, it's like an out of control race car where you've no one has seatbelts and you could fly off yeah. the road at any time. But you're completely reliant on your That's your one of the co-pilot, difficult you know? things to do in improv is to walk on with a, and with no line no line to say you, you're not you haven't thought about something oh, this will be hilarious when I yeah. go up and say this yeah. you just go up and whatever happens happens yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so I definitely that's uh, a natural mm. home is, is doing stuff like that is making stuff up on the spot yeah right yeah uh, and, but are you doing stand up now or is it something that I'm you would doing wouldn't? little bits um, I started I did a charity or not a charity uh, there was a a night for a, a DJ who died recently Tony Fenton and mm. it was on in Vicar Street and there was loads of bands and so I, I felt I wanted to do something that was asked so I wanted to do something so I, I yeah. did a few minutes of stand up and I started doing impressions of, of singers which I know you've done in the past yeah yeah. and I really enjoyed it so then I thought well, actually maybe I'll start getting back into stand up again so I'm doing the Galway Comedy Carnival uh, at the end of you're doing stand-up uh, this there. month I'm doing well I'm hosting improv so well, it's like actually. safe stand-up you can host and you can do a bit and then if it's not going well you can say okay here comes the main guy <laughs> and mm. I'm doing improv as well then the following night I'm doing with the uh, comedy all-stars comedy all-stars and yeah. Phil Jupitus and Phil Jupitus yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, then when did you move over to today FM uh, just a year ago just a year ago now. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying that it's mm. nice to you know, take features that you love and bring them to a bigger audience. And, and mm. it, it takes a while, you know, people, there aren't, there haven't historically been a lot of male duos on Irish radio. Mm-hmm. And certainly you get the impression that a lot of time it's met with kind of cynicism of sort of, you know, from outside of Dublin, it's kind of, what are those two clowns? You know, you do get a lot, <laughs> you get a lot of that. Should we hear those two clowns in Today FM? But I think, I think that's changing. Our ratings say it's changing anyway. So, you know, I think people are kind of getting used to the idea of, all right, that's a format that maybe we're not hugely used to. But, I, you know, but why is it? Um, why is it the uh, there was the girl and there was the format of the well, I, I, to be honest, I thought it was always the bloke and then the girl who laughed at everything. He said. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the format for a lot of. Yeah, well, Australia, <laughs> we, we can blame Australia for a lot of things because a lot of the well-known radio formats 
yeah. are Australian and they came out of there. And what happens is then you get a handful of radio consultants who came up, come out of Australia yeah. who are now like former presenters mm. or program or station managers. And then they become consultants and they go around the world with a suitcase full of these ideas of Australian ideas mm. and say this worked in Sydney so everyone should be doing it. Yeah. So you find worldwide you get an f- awful lot of repetition format. in yeah. radio due to what happened in Australia in say the 80s and a, a lot a lot of um, mm. so a lot of the kind of types of competitions you hear mm. that sort of format two guys and a girl mm. uh, are the zoo the zoo type where you get five or six people you probably hear more of that in the UK mm. you know a lot of people shouting in the shouting background stuff in the background yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah that that it's very heavily formatted that kind of thing you know mm. and then the same features pop up so you know, the fugitive and, um, you know, lie detector and all these things that you, you oh. see popping up around the world in different stations. They're all being peddled by the same group of four radio consultants who oh. come in and go, your ratings are suffering. Your ratings are suffering. You need to do a lie detector. Yeah, get two listeners on the air. Uh, you know, see, uh, ask the guy, is he having an affair? Then he fucking goes red and the wife storms off on a strop. Fucking number one in the ratings. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing as well that voices have changed because uh, now people speak in their own voice, don't they? A lot lot more, yeah. More anyway. That kind of Atlantic two five two. That's uh, that's kind of got nails, Mahoney, and they have they have real names now as well. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. coming up when it was when it was more about the music and the DJ had the power with the music. The DJ was Spotify, and he would tell you. You know, this is where you're going to hear your favorite track. So yeah. you you better you better think I'm awesome because I've got yeah. the power. It was not like that anymore. So DJs don't have that power over the music mm. because it's so mm. accessible. So you you've got to bring something else to the table. It can't be that. Mm. It's got to be personality. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's that's because it used do. to be like I used to do gigs around the country and you'd be in some nightclub or whatever and you. DJ be talking to me going how are you doing how's it going George that was a great gig there and sorry yeah I'll be back in a minute and he'd go up to the desk and he'd be hey everybody it's uh, <laughs> get on the floor you know, every every DJ yeah. had that voice and all those, <laughs> those, uh, those DJ-isms yeah we're going to have more of that at the top of the hour <laughs> yeah uh, top of the yeah, hour so top of the hour it's mm. a power hour here going to keep mm. it coming at you yeah mm. Uh, so those that breed of DJ is kind of disappearing so much so in fact that Tony Fenton when he was alive and say Larry Gogan and these guys mm. th- they're almost they're from for nostalgia reasons people really want them to be around because it reminds them of their youth you know mm. that kind of I remember Larry was it uh, or Tony Fenton used to do the oh, what was it Song Z on the not the hit list the what the hell was it called on 2FM years ago but you'd just be like this, all the best songs, you know, it was essentially the top 40, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we've just been toast. Yeah. We better, we better wind this up. Shut their I face. do this every time. I'm, I just get so, I just love people. Oh, look. Uh, yeah. People tolerate you, Joe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just love listening to people. But that was great. And uh, anything else coming up? I know you've done Hey Ho, Let's Go. That was the TV show. And yes, I had a TV show a, for yeah. uh, six six great weeks. Yeah, uh, that was the end of that. Yeah, that, yeah. it was. Uh, it was. It was a work in progress. That no more progression was allowed. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it didn't really work yeah. out. You know, but Republic Italia, you were brilliant on that. that I you, did enjoy Republic Italia. The show was kind of wasn't really working until you came on. I think. 
Uh, thanks. Yeah. Well, I, I enjoyed it. I had great fun. It was a really nice environment to work with. Great crack. Mm. But mm. I was working seven days a week and you just couldn't do it. Couldn't Three do years it. of that. Mm. That was enough. Yeah. A bit more balance. I'm over 40 now. Right. You, you, see the, you don't yeah. look it. You don't look it. Thanks, Joe. Mm. You look great. <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> just had a green smoothie there yeah <laughs> so listen uh, thanks for coming in and I'll see you down in Galway at the, the carnival yes I'll there. see you for some improving. improvising yeah yeah thanks a lot thanks Joe Well, how's about that then? Thanks for listening. That was a brilliant term of wheeling. What a talented guy he is. And how many strings has he got to his bow? And he's just a nice bloke as well. So I will keep you updated on uh, my sebaceous uh, cyst when it's been cut out. Perhaps I'll record the event because it will be just a local anaesthetic. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Uh, so coming up, if you're in Wexford on the 15th of October, I'll be doing a gig in the uh, Spiegel tent. Beautiful venue. I'll be there with Fred Cook, Carl Spain. Two brilliantly talented, fantastic comedians. So a night well worth, well worth going to. Well worth going to. And then the night after I will be on, uh, on the 16th of October, that is, I will be doing another special gig in, on the Lake Isle of Inishfree. Stand up paddling, which is where you stand on a little kind of a raft and paddle. And it's really easy to do. You paddle, paddle out to the island. It's not that far. And then I'll perform comedy while standing on a raft. And you can bring your own bottle and bring your own food for a barbecue. So what better? A big fire to keep you warm? Come on. What, what, what better thing to do on a nice October evening? So come on out to that. Uh, that's great. So, oh, and coming up, we've got Kevin McAleer next week, the legend of Irish comedy. He did a character years ago on the programme Nighthawks, which became this massive, huge thing. And he started selling out um, the Gaiety and the Olympia. And, uh, and he did this amazing show with a slideshow, uh, incredible live show. It was brilliant. And then the week after, I'll have... The other legend that is Ardlow Hanlon. So that's the next two weeks coming up. Thank you for listening. And it's great to hear feedback from people. I've been getting feedback from various people and I really appreciate it. And you can contact me either on my Twitter account, which is Joe Rooney one or through my website, www.joerooneycomedian.com. Please uh, keep listening. And thank you to Daniel Rooney for the music, to Andrew Mangan for producing, and Castaway Media for hosting the podcast. Okay, see you next week. Bye-bye. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.